Hi, welcome to Grafted, Jewish Roots of Christianity. I'm your host, Stephanie Poflantos. Today, I have Robin Coward with me today, and she is, well, she's a Michigan girl. She calls herself a Michigan girl, and I'm in Ohio, so that has like a lot of meaning for us. (laughs) It does. So I love that. Um, She's a wife, a mother, a grandmother, um, but she's also a student We talked about how many years she has been a student and following Jesus, following Yeshua. Um, She's a teacher. She's a dancer. She um, is part of a group, I believe, an organization called Blossoming Rose, and I'll have her explain a little bit about that. She talks about Davidic dance and worship, which I think is really cool, and that would be really interesting, I think, to hear. Um, She also teaches on gematria, but that is the Hebrew letter, a numeric system and how it's integrated into their alphabet and all of that. And each letter in the alphabet has a specific number associated with it. And then there's meaning in all of that. And so she has taught on those kinds of things. She also teaches and dance and she's going to give us a whole different type of um, lesson today on different things and different experiences in her own life. So I look forward to this and um, you're so sweet. I've enjoyed talking with you off camera. So I can't wait for everyone to um, get to know you through this podcast. So thank you for being with me. Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I love to talk about the Lord. I love to talk about the things of the Lord and especially my favorite time of the year, which is Sukkot. So as your audience can see, if they're if they're able to see this, I I am sitting out in my sukkah in my backyard, Mm -hmm. the booth that we build at this time of the year. So you're my guest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And mine didn't, I didn't have all this uh, ability out there. So we actually have one set up and, um, and we, and it's, it's a fun time. And it's like you said, it's like having guests, having people to come and share a meal with you in your Sukkot or or Sukkah and just talk. And and that's what we're kind of doing. We're talking about the Lord today. It is. I, I, I'm thrilled. And of course, your audience is probably well aware because you've had good host you've been a good host and had good guests on that have probably explained that this was the time of the year when our precious messiah came to the earth as a baby and he tabernacled amongst his people so i think what maybe it would be nice for me to talk just briefly about is uh how i found the lord when i was just 4 years old wow. so that is now i will divulge 64 years ago wow and I, uh, I am a real advocate of teaching children what it means to have Yeshua really come in and be Lord of their lives, to take up residence in their lives and be their, their, their Lord and King, because I was truly transformed at the age of four years old. Mm. My mother uh, said that it was during an altar call at a camp meeting in Big Rapids, Michigan, and She thought that I wanted to go get a drink of water because I was a very uh, wiggly child and a very unruly child in spite of great efforts on the part of my parents to cause me to be obedient. I had a rebellious heart and the Lord pricked my conscience when the altar call time came and I was trying to get my mother's attention that I wanted to go pray at the altar. She finally 
uh, she, she must have let go of my hand because she said she looked and there I was at the altar. And it kind of chokes me up to speak of it because one of the adults who witnessed it said she was up there praying like an old saint. And I just gave everything to God. I said, you can have my toys. You can have my shoes. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will be whatever you want me to be. And God really changed my heart. On the way home, uh, we had a little Volkswagen that my parents drove. And I stood up in the, there was that little um, part where the muffler went through the Volkswagens. And I always put my right leg up on that and stood up with my left leg on the floor. And I put my arms around the seat, around each one of them on the seat. And I leaned forward at four years old and said, I will obey you. And from that day forward, I never disobeyed my parents. So the rebellion that was in my heart was gone. And to give a funny example of the rebellion, I remember prior to that uh, salvation experience, standing in the back of church, our little little church in Stanwood, Michigan, little stone church where my my father had given his heart to the Lord, in that area, not in that church, but worshiped then in that church. And God had saved him, dramatically saved him from a a life of alcoholism, turned his life around. And we were going to the little Stanwood Free Methodist Church. And I stood in the back after a service and I saw a little child up in the front who was two years old. I distinctly remember this. And an urge came into me to bite that child. And I deliberately walked away from my parents all the way to the front of the church with full intent and picked up that child's forearm and bit the child as hard as I could possibly bite it and until the bite inside me was gone. So there was this just this this passion inside of me to bite this kid. So that's an example of what was in my heart. And I know when I tell that story that it's an amusing story, but it's a good example of what was in my heart that had God not tempered that and God not changed that. Uh, I, I I am very grateful to not know the the path that that could have taken me down and that he did. He arrested me at at four and I came into the kingdom at four. So I, I was, I always had a heart for God. I, I, I was very diligent. I was probably, um, a little bit too diligent in some ways, but if that's possible. But in any case, uh, when I came at age, about age 33, I was privileged to be at my in-laws home here in Oklahoma. We live in Oklahoma now, and I'm still a Michigan girl, but <laughs> but we live in Oklahoma now and have for uh, since 2002, and it's 2023, so that would be about 21 years this past July I was visiting uh, with my my husband and my mother had come with us to Oklahoma, visiting my in-laws, who are also wonderful, godly people. And my our dear friends came with their with their family to visit us at my in-laws home and their two little girls, ages about 10 and 8 at the time. They did the uh, the worship dance in the living room of my in-laws home. Hmm. And something inside of me was birthed. It was a seed of, I have to, I have to know about this. 
So their mother invited us to come to the, she said, would you like to come and see the ladies dance? And we did that evening. It was a Hanukkah. And my mother and I went to Beit Ami, which is where we now worship, which is house of my people. All these years later, we are a part of, of Beit Ami, which is house of my people. And we went and saw the ladies dance. And my mother and I wept through that service. Something mm-hmm. came into us and we wanted to we wanted to do that so when we got to michigan we searched and searched and we couldn't find any place that did that kind of dancing <clears throat> so i went to my um my dear friend pastor at the time and for many years and mentor dr duane coxon and i said we we need to know how to do this he said well let me see. He said, I think I have someone in my constituency. And he had uh, started the organization Blossoming Rose at that time. He said, I think I have someone in that constituency who knows about this dancing. Well, he did. And my mother and I went to a conference in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And we learned, brought back the the, uh, the videotapes and we learned how to do the the, the dance. Now, When I say that, I don't say that lightly. I'll give you a little history of our background. Our background was very much a holiness church background. Now, that meant that during gym class, when they taught square dance, when I was in, you know, 12 years old in junior high, that I sat on the bleachers because we didn't dance. So I said, Lord, are you sure you have the right person? (laughs) I don't know how to dance. Well, God always has the right people when you don't know what you're doing, right? So right. I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. And I said, God, I can't even keep up in aerobics class. I don't even know how to do aerobics. But sure enough, I'd, I'd, I'd put that videotape in over in my mom's apartment. And I would have already practiced the dance. And I'd, I'd play a little of the dance on the teaching video back in the videotape days. Yeah. <laughs> before yeah. YouTube. <laughs> and I'd, I'd say, Mom, I said, do you think you could do that? And she'd say. Well, I don't know. She'd say, do you think you could do that? And I'd say, well, I, I kind of tried it a little bit. And so we were so embarrassed to get up and even dance in front of each other. And so, but out of that, the Lord birthed an entire dance team, four of us ladies, and then a singer and an accompanist. And we actually learned how to do the dances. We choreographed dances we made matching gorgeous dance garments, and we went with blossoming rose all over the five-state area of Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, all that area in the Midwest there, and where they would hold banquets and explain the mission of blossoming rose. And as part of the banquet, they would have this presentation in this program where we would uh, we would do the the we call it Davidic worship because we dance like David danced, you know, in a with an abandoned heart, and we would we would dance and praise God, and then out of that was birthed a great desire on my part to study the Scripture. From the I didn't even know how to ask Doctor Coxon what I wanted, so mm-hmm. I said to him something, if I recall correctly, something along the lines of. I need to know the secrets that the rabbis know that I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he said, well, I don't think I know how to teach you that. So he said, but I think I have someone in my constituency who does. (laughs) Thank God for his constituency. Uh (laughs) 
So he got a hold of a, a professor out of Fair State University who agreed to come down once a month and teach about four of us who were interested in understanding the secrets. And thus began my journey into the into the secrets of, you know, the the as I call it, the more rabbinic understanding, the esoteric understanding of really what is the foundation of our faith as, Mm -hmm. as Christians. Mm -hmm. And we are, you know, the brothers and sisters that are a part of this whole assemblage of the kingdom of God that God is putting together in these latter days. Mm -hmm. And I'm delighted to be a part of it. Yes. And, you know, I, I read a book and then, and, she was talking about being one in Messiah. And when you think about the time, that whole, those hundreds of years between Jesus sending his disciples out and what we know as the church beginning, you know, and, and uh, there's a lot of people who kind of see the church beginning of the day of Pentecost or Peter began (laughs) the, the church. Um, it was more done by Rome, I guess it really, quite frankly, and in around Constantine, the time of Constantine and all that was when it, um, they kind of cut ties with anything Jewish. The message was, it was always the same. We were to be one. We were to be one in Messiah, both Jews and Gentiles. In the book that I'm reading, and and I, I think it's called um, Israel's Anointing, but it talks about that what's happening in the world today people like you and i and others we know are turning to wanting to understand more of who jesus was by his culture by his language by that history that ancient near east mindset and we might call it the hebraic understanding and whatnot but but more people are turning to wanting to understand that and i know that you know, you've talked a little bit about your pathway there and my path was a little different. Um, and this podcast was a big part of it. It was kind of like the climax of it for me, because it was when the Lord definitely said, okay, you've been learning for this last 20 years. Now do just now do it. I love that. Yeah. So, so we talked, even you and I were talking about the difference between head and heart and, and it's not about all, all of our understanding. It's about being obedient and and being one in, and unified by our hearts and by our heart, um, love for, for Jesus, but also for each other. Um, and so it's very interesting, but that, that whole turn and what she put she actually in the book again going back to that but mm-hmm. she actually sees it as part of the end times it is more and more coming around to that hebraic understanding and that hebraic curiosity of who the church was mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we don't know who the church is going to be if right we don't know who the church was yes yes that's good and 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 the church started at the mountain yeah those were the that was those were the called out ones. Yeah, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. That that's where it started. And and God has a church that is uh, we're sitting in our sukkahs. We're we're sitting in our homes, we're discussing the things of God and and you know, I think in, in this journey, I think sometimes there's a tendency to first of all, you feel a little bit like, "Oh my goodness, look what I missed." 
And we tend to forget what we didn't miss. We tend to forget what we got. Yes. So it's very important when we start on this journey of understanding our uh, our the roots of our faith for lack. I mean, that's a pretty good pretty good description, really, of mm-hmm. of what this is about. But when we go back to understand our Messiah, and I like what a friend of mine says. She says, you know, he's our groom. He's coming back for his bride. So we need to understand a little bit about his family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So if we want to know who our groom is and what his family is like, wouldn't it be good to rehearse a little bit before he comes and gets us, you know, so we... Before we're all forced to live together. (laughs) Before we're all forced to live together. But the... um. The tendency sometimes is to feel like, well, I, I, I'm i just going to let go of this over here. Uh, I can't let go of that experience at the altar when I was four. Right. That is part and parcel of who I am and who I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And in my whole journey of having to set aside some of my uh, ideas about Jesus and what that was all about and to, and really to have to work through some of those understandings. Um, I'm very grateful to be in a place and, and, and we're never static. God forbid that we ever be static, but I, I'm not in a static place, but to be in a place where I have been much better able by God's grace to embrace, to do more embracing. Because mm-hmm. uh, I see I see a lot of strangeness in this, in this um, walk of mm-hmm. people, you know, trying to figure out what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. And instead of going back to the sources, like you and I were talking about, going back to the sources, uh, the rabbinic sources of those who have studied this down to the, you know, to the Hebrew letter, and a law might be based on a Hebrew letter, um, people have a tendency, some people that I've noticed, let me say it that way, or over the years, to kind of interpret the, some of these um, ways of walking this out. They, they get a personal interpretation, and you come up with some very crazy stuff. And that was very difficult for me years mm-hmm. ago. And it still is. But... Now I am better able, again, by God's grace, to say that's where they are in their understanding. That's where they are in their walk. That's not mm-hmm. my walk. Mm-hmm. I can still love them. Right. And it, it is hard. I mean, I think to me, and this is just the way I explain it, I believe that God is a God of balance, that yes. there's always a balance in everything. Yes. You know, um, extremes, and I say this, Gently, because I I don't want to sound. I mean, there's always there's always exceptions to every yes, rule that's faced. Of course, okay. But but I think extremes are are us out of balance. Um, and so, sometimes we go to an extreme, and then God brings us back. Yes, exactly. And you know, extremes happen because, and I've seen it in this whole movement of people turning back to either messianic and we talked about that either hebrew roots messianic i don't consider myself either i'm I'm not jewish i and i'm fine with being a gentile but i want to know my heart wants to understand it more and so that's why i go to 
um, this Jewishness place of, of Christianity, this, my Jewish roots, if so to speak. Um, that's why I go there because my heart wants to understand it all. My heart wants to know who Jesus was as a Jewish man and a Jewish king and yeah. Jewish Messiah, you know? Sure. Uh, but, but I think it's easy to kind of get, you know, you actually said it on the fringes. It's easy to go out there and kind of get, kind of way out there in some ways people can get way out there um i certainly have had people when i've tried to explain how i why i follow the feasts why i rest on shabbat um you know i've certainly have gotten comments and looks and 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 i even (laughs) will say i even have been ignored from friends Um, of course yes they're just like okay you're too far out there Um, so I know to other people, I seem extreme and, and yes, I don't feel I'm being extreme. I feel like I'm being very balanced because I don't, I'm not giving up who I was as a Gentile in the Christian church, learning about Jesus, going to VBS. I don't, I don't demonize any of that. That was who I am. That's who I was, but it made me who I am. I think it's very important to not speak Lashon Hara, which in Hebrew means the evil tongue. It means gossip. It's very important not to speak Lashon Hara against the church. Mm-hmm. Because God has a role for the church to play in this end time process. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that plan. No, We get to see what our role is. Our role is. And if we are not it's very important. Let me say it this way. For me, it's very important. And I really try to emphasize this with people. And when I teach, you have a destiny. It's not mine. Right. My destiny isn't yours. When I stand in the pulpit at my congregation and deliver the message, that's my destiny. Mm-hmm. When I go to Israel and I clean the toilets and change the sheets and sweep the floors I am bringing the Messiah to this earth. That's my divine destiny Mm -hmm. to do that. And God orchestrated that from my birth. When I was in my mother's womb, my mother had a friend who was going to Israel. She said, please bring me some water from the Jordan River so I can baptize my baby in water from the Jordan River. Mm -hmm. And my destiny was sealed before I, as I was knitted together in my mother's womb. And so was yours. So mm-hmm. was everyone's. And it's all a part of bringing the kingdom of God to this earth. Right. And oftentimes people, you know, and especially when, you know, when we were young people, remember we were looking for God's will. Well, what's God's will? What's God's will? God's will is that we live in him a sanctified, holy life. And that we embrace our divine destiny of bringing the kingdom of God to the earth. Mm. That's what our destiny is. Yep. So you can tell I feel passionate about that. <laughs> no, I know. No, it's good. I feel passionate about that. And when I found this, this understanding, uh, I remember, in fact, going to um, Dr. Marvin Wilson. You and I, uh, I referred to him before we went on camera. Dr. Marvin Wilson came one year 
to the Times of the Messiah forum that we did through Blossoming Rose years ago in the days before such access that we have to the internet now. And we, I mean, we're just inundated with, you know, knowledge. And it's such a sign of, let me, let me take a little detour here. It's such a sign of the end of days where, when God says that the knowledge of God will cover the earth, like the waters cover the sea, but also as in, as it was in the days of Noah, when the higher waters met the lower waters Mm. and as those higher waters and lower waters met, that was the, that was the flood. And it's the, it's the pre figuring of what is happening today. See, the higher waters are meeting the lower waters. And I like to think of it like this, although I don't see how there could be a zero point. But when that meets, when that gets to be zero point and they're completely together, that is when Messiah brings the fulfillment of the kingdom. Mm. But back to uh, Dr. Marvin Wilson, I said to Dr. Dr. Wilson, who was, he is now Professor Emeritus out of Gordon College, and I don't remember what state he's in. He might be in your state, Stephanie. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think he's in that area. Okay. A brilliant, brilliant scholar, brilliant scholar. In fact, the rabbi who was there for that forum that year in the early 90s was Rabbi Shmuley Boteach, who has gone on to just do marvelous things for God and uh, Dr. Rabbi Boteach said to Dr. Wilson, or in front of the, the group, he said, this man knows Talmud better than I know Talmud. Mm. And Dr. Wilson, I asked him privately afterward, I said, why have you not converted to Judaism? And he said, oh, I would never step as much as my big toe out from under the covering of Messiah. Mm. That stuck with me. That stuck with me. Because for those of us who are of the nations, Messiah, Messiah says, I, didn't come, I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And his plan was a very enigmatic plan, a plan we do not understand, but a plan that we are a part of. And we come in under that covering, under that protection, under that sukkah, of Messiah and and the work that he did at, on the execution stake where the blood was shed that 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 was from the foundation of the world of the cosmos to effectuate a transformation of something that was broken from before the beginning that we can't understand mm-hmm. that's how that's 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 how i think of it wow anyway that's a little bit of a of a detour wow. there but but back to you know, the role of of these various groups, God has his various intercessors. We're mm. all intercessors. We are right. interceding wherever God has placed us in the earth. We are interceding for what? To bring the kingdom of God to the earth. Mm-hmm. Everywhere we go, that's what we're doing. We are pulling heaven and earth together. Mm. I was thinking, in fact, about my sukkah as I was sitting out here, The probably the first day that I was sitting, and I like to do a lot of writing, and I was impressed with the fact that this this sukkah is like, it's like a time capsule. Mm. It's like, it's like a little spot outside. It's in, it's in time and space, but it's really outside of time and space. And when I come in here, I am in a place that is 
eternal that is bringing the kingdom of God to the earth. And it is a picture, as we know, of our temporary dwellings in which we live every day of our lives. That is what our homes are. Mm -hmm. Our homes are places of eternity outside of time and space, in time and space, bringing the kingdom of God to this earth. And it reaches its culmination and its climax in the weekly Shabbat, Mm. where we go right outside of time. Right. And we ourselves are that temporary tent. Exactly. For an eternal spirit that lives within us. Yes. Yes. That's, that's it. The, the pictures, and that's, that's another thing I have loved about walking this journey of the, of studying from this perspective are the pictures, the mm-hmm. symbols mm-hmm. and, and how in Judaism you pick up things like, like the etrog that you take and, and you, you smell it and you're reminded that, you know, we, we need to smell and we need to smell good. And when we're, when we're out in the world and we're, we're out with in with the pigs in the pig pen. We don't smell good. Mm-mm. When we're when we're participating, is it that we're told in the in the later covenant scriptures in the apostolic writings that we are to be in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. We're supposed to smell good, and yeah. we're supposed to have a heart for Messiah, for mm-hmm. our Yeshua. Our heart is to be whole. Our heart is to be pure. Our heart is to be dedicated. And when we take this every day of this feast along with the other, the other of the, the three other uh, species, we're reminded that we pray with our whole heart mm-hmm. and we wave that. And, and it's a prayer as I, as I waved it this morning and, and actually walked around the outside of my sukkah, re- realizing that, you know, it is the, the feminine aspect that surrounds and it is the surrounding aspect that that pulls in the boundary that that says okay this this place is sacred space mm. this home is a sacred home this body is a sacred body wow mm. and yeah. all these pictures everywhere everywhere you turn you know take mm-hmm. this do that do this do that well you know some people look at that that are perhaps outside Okay, well, you got to do all this stuff. It's so legalistic. Right. Oh, we get to do all this stuff. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Yeah. And that's what I I would tell people, too. It's like the feasts are not a burden. Is Thanksgiving a burden? No, right. it's not a burden to you. you. It's something we look forward to, having a feast with friends and family. And all the feasts are that way. They're, they are. They're not a burden. They're something to look forward to because number one, God ordained them. He put them into motion. He created them. So we get to do something that God himself created and put Uh into words. And we get to entertain him in that way because he is in the midst of us. And then we're also feeding us feeding our faces we're having fun we're <laughs> what talking could be better we're, yeah we're laughing we're with friends and um and it's not a burden it's not a have to yes deal and and you made me and there's two little tangents i i want to make yes but one when you picked up the fruit and you were smelling it i heard a teacher um say that hebrew was a very it was an all sense 
thing. It, yes. it engaged all the senses. You know, when you think of your time in a sanctuary during a church service, mm-hmm. it's really only engaging your ears, maybe, um, you know, of our senses. But sure. but in in the Jewishness of of what yeah. we of this, it's it's actually engaging, meant to engage all five senses. It's seeing, it's tasting. Um, that's why it says taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, it's about the incense smelling. They they didn't go into the Holy of Holies without incense. It was a right. no, no, you were struck dead. You know, you didn't survive that. So, so it was all about, you know, and when you walk into the holies, the mm. holy place and the Holy of Holies, you smelled the bread, you saw the light. Hallelujah. You know, yes. it, was, it was very functional in the sense that it engaged every part of you and and we've gotten away from engaging all of our senses and and i think that's what the feasts help us do go back to engage our senses in this walk with yeshua and and um that's kind of how i see it that's what i think of it and and even dancing now that's engaging which oh yeah they do and 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 engaging the whole physical you're touching one another. You're holding yes. hands. Yes. You're sh- hand on shoulders. You're engaging fun and physical activity with each other. We play games. You know, that's the way that we engage our bodies. We we sure. also include games in some of the feasts. And um and and it's laughing and talking and hugging. And so it's 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 just so much more mm-hmm. than just sitting and listening to a teaching. Yes, yes, or a yes. Sermon. Um, it's implementing those teachings and sermons. Yeah. And Jesus was very much hands-on too. Yes. So everything he did engaged their senses. Uh-huh. And um, and to and if we follow in his footsteps, you know, that's what we do. That's how we teach. That's how we relate to others. And the other thing you mentioned was being in a pig pen. Well, we have sheep. And let me tell you, sheep are smelly. So, um, sheep are dirty. So being in the world, being around other sheep, we're going to get dirty. We're going to get smelly, um, being around our own kind, you know, it's no different. We don't have to go into a pig pen. We don't have to go into, I like um, that, you know, because, because naturally we are smelly and dirty. We need to go into our sukkah where Jesus is to yes. be cleansed, cleaned need- up. Yeah. <laughs> We need to go to the altar to be cleaned up. Yeah. Um, we don't get cleaned up in the world around our own kind. No, no, that's no. good. I like that Dirty analogy. That's beautiful. Mudsling, you know, let's put it, let's, you know, that's how it is. <laughs> so, um, so those two things kind of came to my mind when you were talking about those, but, but it is, it's very, um, it's very real. And, you know, we like to think, you know, we get told all about the, the little lamb and the, the yes. sheep and we think that they're so white as snow and <laughs> oh no no my, my um quite dirty and uh. so, um being a white sheep is only for those who bathe before show <laughs> <laughs> you know or like they had to bathe them before they um sacrifice them so sure. um so most sheep aren't like that but um and sheep bite you know, sheep headbutt, um, sheep want to, they, they do enjoy throwing around their weight. So, um, so, you know, there's caution, 
there's caution that has to be taken every time you walk into the sheep pen. You have to know your surroundings. You have to know when there's one behind you. That's good. So, so I think that just talks about the world, you know, because I, I, I don't think I said this to you, but one time when I was out in the pen cleaning up after the sheep and being frustrated that, you know, every time I got a pile, they'd walk through it and sniff through it and kick it around. And, and I'm just like, Lord, I'm, I'm a bit offended right now. <laughs> um, you know, you compare me to these animals here. These animals are very frustrating. <laughs> That's cute. And um, so I'm kind of feeling offended that you would compare me to a sheep. But um, but as he just started downloading, like, you know, yeah, this is, you know, they step on their own young. They hurt, the, they hurt each other. Yeah, they headbutt each other. They, yeah. um, they reject each other. You know, uh-huh. they don't like strangers. Um, they don't trust anyone who's not their shepherd. They don't trust anybody else, you know? So, so all the ways that I thought, yep, that's me. Yep. Well, yep. That's us. <laughs> uh-huh. There's a lot to learn by those kinds of of analogies in the Bible. Yes. But we often just have the wrong opinion of the analogies because we have it from a very rose colored uh-huh. glasses instead of this is the truth. We're, we're actually dirty and mean to each other. So I, I like what you were saying about um, the incense and the, I, I would like to, if you don't mind, refer to some esoteric understanding of the, of the sense of smell, it was the one sense that was not used in the fall mm. when Adam and Hava sinned. And so uh, I actually have this wonderful book written by Avraham Sand, S-A-N-D, Sand, Avraham Sand. I purchased uh, in Israel on my first trip in the late 90s. I went into a an aromatherapy shop in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Do not know where where it was. I would love to know if it's still there. I'd love to go back. But I purchased the formulation of the oil that was from the plants that are used in the holy incense, the mm. the katorit. Now you're it's forbidden to burn that to to burn the katorit. You cannot formulate that and burn it. But rabbinically, there is an understanding that we can use the oils. So there was this formulation and I bought a little, a little vial of that precious mm-hmm. holy oil. It was formulated by Avraham Sand. And then a number of years later, a few years ago, I found that he had actually uh, written a book on the mm-hmm. Ketorah and on the sense. And I, I purchased an article at the same time on the Ketorah, but that's an aside. Uh, Avraham Sand's book points out how, the sense of smell was the one sense that was not really corrupted in the fall. So mm. when we smell something like this, or when we smell the katorit, it takes us back to Gan Eden, to the Garden of Eden, because right. that sense of smell. And then also brings to my mind the scripture that says, um, Messiah will not judge with the sight of his eyes, nor decide with the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness judge. Mm -hmm. And what is he going to do? He's going to sniff out his people. He's going to use the sense of smell to sniff them out. I actually wrote an article based on that verse on my wonderful. um, And it was called the smelling the fear of the Lord, because it was about 
smelling and he smells yes. for the fear of not the fears and yes. we're totally afraid of him but no 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 that 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 kind of feeling we get that oh we're in the presence of someone powerful. oh yes hallelujah and, and that smelling yes. he smells for that fear of himself in us and that's so so cool that you i've never heard anybody else talk about that because oh. that was like smelling the fear of the lord you know oh, and that's that, what he does that's divinely inspired sight, stephanie doesn't go by his ears what he hears he goes by what he smells that fragrance from coming from our life yes 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 yeah, that's and really- that that wonderful incense altar which is where you know the prayers of the saints ascend in the book of revelation speaking mm-hmm. of how in the final service above the cloud as my teacher charlie stallsworth refers to the things above the cloud above the cloud when that great service is happening in Revelation. And for 30 minutes, all is quiet and silent while the prayers of the saints, that Mm -hmm. incense ascends before the throne. Now, when you take a thousand years and you figure that down, a thousand years is as a day with the Lord, and you break that down into 30 minutes, that's quite a number of years Yes, that that incense is going to go before the throne. And so, you know, why pray? Why pray so that the holy incense, that wonderful smell of who we are, will ascend before the throne of God in that unadulterated sense of the smell. I like that, I, that you, the way you said it, of the smell of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I remember when I brought that, that couturette back, that, that vial of oil, and I, I told a friend of mine, that I had it and, and he smelled it, he actually knocked backward. It so affected him in the spirit. It actually, he just actually, he almost looked like he was going to fall over. He didn't, but he just jerked backward. That's how intense that was. I still have a few droplets left. It's pretty expensive to replace it. I think when I looked online to replace it, it was a couple hundred dollars to wow to reinvest in that. So yeah, I'd love to have some more. But I used it. I used it for a number of years. Used it to, you know, anoint people. Mm. That's very beautiful. So well, thank you. I appreciate you being here today and talking. Um, I love your. You have such a sweet spirit about you, and and I hope that I I'm sure that comes across on um the microphone through the oh, microphone and through the camera. So, um, but you've been a joy to have here today, and and um and I I appreciated just the like spiritedness that we have and we share yes. and being able to just talk about the Lord and and. And, and, you know, and sometimes I like to be real scholarly. I mean, I have to admit, I like talking about. Oh, deep me deep, too. But sometimes <laughs> it's just, just nice just to have a great conversation just about the, um, the Lord and, and what he's done in our lives and how he has changed us and brought us to where we are. It's and, true. And, and, you know, when the Lord recently rekindled in my heart, the, the dancing and, called me to to make an ancient a symbol of an ancient, ancient instrument called the tabret and i i sort of said to the lord but i've already been there and done that mm-hmm. you know that was kind of and i thought wait a minute no god god is taking 
where he birthed me into this understanding, which was through the dance. And he's taking me to the dance. Mm. Keep dancing. Keep dancing like David danced. Because God is raising the fallen booth of David. It's one of the places in the prophetic scripture where he refers to the sukkah. And he is restoring the fallen sukkah of David, which is a tabernacle of praise. Mm. And and so we take what we learn, is my point. We take what we learn and we integrate it. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't all stay up here. Right, right. This will kind of feel like it's going to burst sometimes. I don't know about you, Stephanie, but sometimes my head just throbs with, you know, I don't even even study Torah before I go to bed anymore because it would just keep me awake for hours after I I go to bed. In the gematria and the, the, the letters would, you know, permutate and go in different directions and different numerical values and keep me awake for hours, which was a wonderful blessing. And I didn't mind that, that revelation, but it's better to study those things earlier in the day, but, but it's getting this and this, you know, as integrated as we can. Mm -hmm. And and what are we taking? What are we taking? You know, we're, 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 we're taking the knowledge of the, of the understanding, the etrog, we know about the etrog. We know what it represents, but it represents our heart. So let's pull the two together and bring heaven and earth together. That's what's bringing mm-hmm. heaven and earth together. Yes. Well, awesome. Uh, awesome. That's exciting. Well, yeah, we'll it have is. you on again. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's been my total joy and delight to be with you today and to be able to visit with you and to enthuse with you about the things yes. of God. Yep. Thank you very yes. much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find me at graftedjewishroots.com. Please check out my Bible study, Jewels of Hebrews, on my website. And I also have a Facebook page under the same name. Join me every Wednesday for a new episode of Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. Thank you for listening.